Welcome to Don't Feed the Artists. Morning. Morning. <laughs> Welcome to Don't Feed the Artists. Uh, my name is Hagen Howshield. Um, I'm Jackson Russo, and we're missing a lot of people, but hell, fuck them. Yeah. Today, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you introduce yourself. <laughs> well, my name's Horace Bray. Yeah. I, I play, I play guitar. I, I spend a lot of time playing guitar and <laughs> thinking about guitar and things related to that. <laughs> I guess that's the gist of it. I guess that was probably something I should have done, like, inter- or, uh, introduce you, because it was like, oh, you had to introduce yourself. What do I do? I kind of I kind of like the putting him on the spot, Big No. Yeah. yeah. Introduce yourself. <laughs> do it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, that's my greatest association, I guess. It's really, it's really a DIY podcast now. So for uh, anyone who doesn't know, um, we're a podcast based in Denton. Denton, Texas, and Horace Bray is a a local musician. Where are you from, like, originally? I was born in Anaheim, California, okay. but wow. I grew up in St. Louis, mainly. What made you come to Denton? UNT. The school? I applied super last minute and applied to, like, UNT, and then, like, a really small music school outside of St. Louis, and then UNT ended up working out, so. So, and I'm assuming that you went for jazz? Yeah. Yeah, I went for jazz guitar and... And they uh, they make you get in a minor in music theory. That's awesome. Okay, so as I was saying, for anyone who doesn't know, he is a guitar player, guitarist. But it, you're not in like one specific band, as like I guess a lot of the jazz musicians. I don't know mm-hmm. if a lot of people know this. I mean, I know it because you know I know a good amount of people who are jazz musicians. But a lot of these musicians, it's not like oh they're in one band. It's like you guys play in a ton of bands. You know, you're gigging yeah. constantly. Whether or not that's an actual, you know, like, band who, like, goes around, like, you know, your... Do you call it the Horse Bridge or do you just go by your name? I usually, like, I used to call it the Horse Bridge group, but then we started playing, like, the same set of music with a few different types of instrumentation, so now I just go under my own name. Yeah. But, uh, as I was saying, there it's not just, like, bands, like, you know, you're playing in churches, you're playing, like, yeah. all types of shit, which is, you know, that that's a really cool thing, is because, you know... Most of my friends who, you know, aren't the quote-unquote jazz people, you know, they're playing you know, one or two bands, which yeah. I'm always like, oh, man, that's so much work, but you're, like, probably in, like, eight. If Gee, Especially when I was in school. Like, it's a lot more manageable now. I only play in, like, a smaller <laughs> handful of groups. You know, like, Southpaw Preachers, Sky Window, My Stuff, and then, like, a lot of, like, little one-off bands for, like, private parties and stuff, yeah. where we're just all pulling from the from a repertoire that we all have spent time learning. But when I was in college, it was like, yeah, like 10 different groups that were all playing pretty regularly, and it was just super fucked. I, I had a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I had no time. I was a mess. I always, like, uh, see people who are, like, you know, you'll meet someone who's just getting, like, their freshman or sophomore award. I don't really know when, like, the actual, like, you know, degree... Kicks. I know, like, some degrees, it's just, like, you, the first couple of years, you're, you're just kind of doing stuff, yeah. and then, like, that third year, it kicks, and it's just, like... But yeah, they throw it, you in the fire immediately. Yeah, you get, you get thrown with, in, like, like, right away. Yeah, because they're just like, yeah, you should take 15 hours. That's the normal amount a normal student would take. And then, but they don't tell you that, like, so many of the classes that you take are one credit hour, but you're meeting three times a week. And they give you and the amount it's of work. A, an insane amount of outside school work and outside of rehearsals. Yeah. yeah. I think it's, uh, so... 
I'm going to school for mechanical engineering. Mm -hmm. And, like, when people are always like, oh, man, that's crazy. I can't believe you're doing that. I was like, yeah, I mean, like, I have a ton of friends who are in music, and I think that you guys are doing or have done or doing, like, way more than I'm doing. Like, I'm in there. I learn, like, equations, and I learn how to do it, and then I'm pretty much done. Yeah. Like, I feel like you guys are, you know, I will see people post. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. My cat is, like, halfway out the litter box right now. (laughs) 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 This is great. Face of focus. (laughs) (laughs) So, I'll see a ton of people who are, like, and, you know, doing a music degree or just musicians who are, like, I'm constantly, who will say stuff like, oh, I'm constantly preparing for a gig. It's like, oh, you just finished this, but you're preparing. Yeah. Yeah. Nowadays, it's, like, a lot of, a lot of my practice time is, like, working at music for other, other gigs, because I think, like, my first shows in New York are, like, with this new soul singer, who I think is originally from Dallas. I can't remember her name. I think it starts with an M. Do you, uh... But... Who else is, is there's somebody uh, moving to New York from Desi Five? Yeah, he just <laughs> yeah. moved up there. Yeah. Are you gonna are you gonna be kicking it with him at all? So I don't actually, know. Actually, we never like. I'm sure. I know we know of each other because it's like <laughs> we've, we've. I think we've talked like online. That's like, cool. But I don't think we've ever met in person. I've never actually been able to make it out to any of the shows. But that, that I forgot. There's like, I think you're like the the third person that I've known or like heard of locally that's been like moving out like a. Uh, the band Dark Rooms, if you've heard of them. Yeah. They just moved to L.A. Oh, no way. But Daniel yeah. Hart from that, uh, he composes. Like, mm-hmm. he, I don't know if he went to school, but that's what he did for a long time, which is composition, and, like, he does a ton of scores. Yeah. So he's like, oh, I gotta move to L.A., and then was, and someone was like, oh, yeah, Boris is moving to New York. <laughs> and then Desi Fly, so you guys are all yeah, We're yeah. losing everyone. <laughs> but that's good. I mean, there's just gonna be more people coming up. That's yeah. the cool thing about the school being there, is that it just... It's kind of like a little magnet for people that are trying to do things. Yeah. So that, that's the that's the big thing is that you are moving. You are officially you're moving. Yeah. What, Sunday. Yeah. Sunday. Four four days. Yes. Yeah. Today's Wednesday. Right. Yeah. 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 So you're moving to New York. Um, so I'm sure this is like you know pretty obvious to a lot of people. But anyway, I'm gonna ask anyway. Why are you moving to New York? Uh, I don't really know. It's like, it seems, it seems like a fun, a fun place to be. And I've, I've had a good time every time I've been up there mm-hmm. and I've been in Denton. Well, I, I came to the realization that I've now been in Denton longer than I was even in St. Louis. Wow. So I was in St. Louis from like seventh grade through high school. And then now I've been in Denton six and a half years. So I'm like, okay. What am I doing? Because <laughs> like, I, I mean, Denton's cool. Denton's really cool, and I like that. Yeah, but so you really you like know. to move around a lot. Is that something that you just like really want to do, or is that just? It's something I did a lot as a kid, actually. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I was born in Anaheim, lived there like five or six months, mm-hmm. and then I lived in Maryland. I'm not exactly sure how long, but I, I've lived in Anaheim, Maryland, um, Ohio. And then St. Louis. But, like, in Maryland, I think there were, like, two or three different places in Maryland that we lived. And then, wow. like, two... There were two places that we lived in Ohio. And then in St. Louis, even, like, there were, like... Just because I was mainly living, living with my mom, I think we stayed in, like, there were three different houses. Wow. That we switched. It was, like, I don't know. I, I've, I've moved around a lot, I guess. Yeah. For, like, random, random reasons. Yeah. So, so just, I, it's like part of you basically to move around? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I'm sure that that definitely has, like, a subconscious effect on it. Yeah. Because it's like, and then since I've been in Denton, like, I've, I've lived in a different place every year. But yeah, I think that's everyone. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's always moving. I think, like, I just moved here uh, this summer in the place that we're in right now, and uh, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna stay here till I graduate. Like, this is a cool spot, this, though. Yeah, it, it rents cheap. It's like per, what's funny is like I live right next to the main campus. I never go on over there unless I'm working out because like the engineering campus is all over there. So yeah. I'm like, this spot is wasted on me, but I'm totally happy with it. Yeah, but um, I think that's perfect. That uh, you enjoy moving because, like, as a musician, I don't know if you, per se, would want to tour much, but Mm -hmm. typically musicians, at least nowadays, since record sales aren't really uh, a good source of income, I think, like, touring and, you know, playing gigs, especially if you're planning to, like, tour more, like, that's perfect for someone you have gone on, like, what, like, two, two, like, small runs, right? Well, I was gone, I was pretty much on the road for collectively a little over two months or last year because I, I I ended up working out where I spent I went out to LA three times or I went out to California three times uh-huh. and I spent about a month out there in total I did a two week long tour with some guys out of San Diego yeah and then I went up to New York three times spending about a month up there and then I did two Texas tours and two different Midwest tours that's awesome so it was maybe Closer to three months, I was on the road. Wow, yeah, but very spread out. It was only like for a week or two at a time. Yeah, and that's that's what that's what we did when we, we went on tour. We did like very spread out things. We did like gone for two or three days, then we came home for a day, and then we went back out again. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is like the one of the main reasons that we all got together and decided to like do this podcast was to talk about tour stories. So oh. I'll, just, I'll just jump to that now. Um, so what are your, so what are your uh, favorite highs and lows of tour? The good and the bad. Yeah. Oh, well, I'll start out with the first one I thought of. I forgot my guitar once. <laughs> it was when we were, uh, and it was my Victor Baker. We, I left it in LA and we were driving from LA to, uh, oh, it's this town. Is it San Jose? Just south of San Francisco? Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think it's San Jose. Uh, we were driving to San Jose, and what happened was that we had to leave really early in the morning, and I put all my stuff by the door the night before. I didn't know that someone moved my guitar to the other side of the room, so then it would be safer, and it wasn't yeah. right by the door, and like, that's fine, but they didn't tell me. So then when I woke up, I immediately went to the bathroom. And then when I came out, they had already packed up everything that was by the door into the car. Mm -hmm. So I figured, of course the guitar is in there. Never, ever assume that. (laughs) Always do a dummy check. It it doesn't matter how sure you are. Yeah. Because, like, three hours into the trip, we get a call from my friend in L.A. who we were staying with. He's like, yo. So it's like, did you mean to leave your guitar? I think he was like, I think he was even sassier. He was like, yo. How's your guitar? Or something like that. <laughs> and then I just looked back and it was, cause I ended up like using, we were going up there for a clinic mm-hmm. and then we were, luckily we were coming back to play at, um, Cal Arts the next, the next night or the, that evening we were coming back. So we were, we were still like, we were going to end up an hour outside LA, but we didn't have it for the show <laughs> in, uh, up in, up in San Jose. So. I ended up having to, like, borrow some kid's guitar in, in San Jose. And it, everything worked out fine. 
Yeah. But it was definitely like, I had to go through that process of I just left my guitar in LA. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's like heart racing, like, shit, 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 should I turn around? What do I do? What do I do? That sort of thing. Yeah. I wouldn't, I like, I, I would have no idea what to do if I like left any, I mean, I, I did, yeah. I did leave, uh, I left a hi-hat stand. I left a hi-hat stand in Austin. We were in San Antonio and I opened my, my stand bag and I'm like, Huh. And it was like... Where is it? <laughs> it was one of those things where we didn't realize until, like, last minute. And she's like, oh, man. Like, we're in San Antonio right now. Uh, we need to be in Denton by this time tomorrow. The venue was closed. It was this huge ordeal. And yeah. we ended up ha- having to, like, find somebody we knew in Austin to go get it. Yeah. And they knew nothing about equipment. So, like, Hagen was having to, like, look up on Guitar Center's website the exact, like, hi-hat stand (laughs) to, like, show to her, like, hey, this is what it is. Like, don't go in there and take somebody else's hi-hat stand. Yeah. Yeah. So, that was a whole ordeal. Yeah, and then for that, for the the show in San Antonio, I was like, I'll just... I'll just do a makeshift, like, stack. That's what yeah, I'll do for this. That was fun. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Didn't and you have, like, two? You had, like, an open stack? No, I wasn't. For open, I wasn't going to do something like that. Um, but then the, the the sound guy was like, oh, we actually have a hi-hat stand. I was like, oh, cool. He brings down, he's like, it's super there's no clutch. <laughs> well, I, luckily, I have my clutch in my backpack. Okay. So that was good. But he's like, it's super broken. It only stays at one height. And by one height, he means right next to my snare, like literally on the same level. And I'm like, okay, how am I supposed to, this is, those, it was like, a, it was a pretty rough gig. Yeah. That, but I it was mean, still fun. I can only see that being okay if you're playing like open-handed. Yeah. Yeah. Connor but, Pan style. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Connor, Connor plays like so low. Yeah. I noticed that last yeah. night. Cause I was like at greenhouse. Um, I was right behind, uh, like Connor and watching and like, I'd never noticed his like, hi-hat is like right next to his snare. It's super low. Yeah. I've never seen somebody do that. Yeah. And I've seen him play in like five groups. Yeah. <laughs> How have I never noticed that? Okay, so would you call that a high or a low story for getting your guitar? Probably a low. <laughs> I'd call that a low. I was real sad. I was... <laughs> Everyone like, starts with a low. But it's yeah. like we were just like in the middle of a... What's it called? Like the green belt in California where like all the farms are and mm, it's like... Yeah. It's, a, it's actually really crazy to drive through there because... Since all everything's in a line, if you stare out into the crops, it's like you start to see like the weird yeah. fractal patterns in, <coughs> in like, yeah, that get created from the certain speed you're going with That's the rate cool. of how they're planted. But, uh, yeah, so I just got to like sit in a car and just like, okay, let's call the shop, see if we need to rent one or if there's one that we can borrow. But it was like, it was a good lesson of like, you know, you never really need to stress out about any <laughs> Was of that. the, uh, guitar you borrowed, was it like a Jackson? No, luckily it was like a Joe Pass Epiphone, so it was like relevant enough. (laughs) Just seeing you like play like a BC Rich Warlock, like doing jazz. Dude, I almost wish that that was the case. That would have been great. That would have been a much better story. Yeah, I was watching a, um, back to, we talked about this before we started recording, but uh, a John Mayer video, um, live on, uh, Ellen, um, and somebody, one of the guitarists in the back, I spotted with, there was a Jackson guitar, like, on a stand right next to his amp. I was like, why are they, like, why do they have a Jackson guitar? Like, I just cannot was see them. Pink? I think so. I think I've seen him play that one before. Does, it's John Mayer's? I think it's John's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so when you watch that video, um, look out for that. It's in the back. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Because I was sitting there, I was like, is that a Jack? Oh my god. Because I was sitting there praising this whole video. I'm like, man, Steve Jordan's kit sounds incredible. Wow, John Mayer, his voice is back. 
And it's just like, and I was like, is that a Jackson? He needs to fire that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's I know, I've never actually, I don't think I've even ever played a Jackson. I don't think I have either. That's you funny mean? that you haven't played a Jackson. That's not We're just judging it so thoroughly. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so. Would what... you get endorsed by Jackson one day? That would be great. <laughs> I want to get endorsed by Jackson. So I can use them as drumsticks. Um, <laughs> so uh, what's a high? What's a high story for tour? Mm, That's always the harder one. Probably it was the first Midwest tour, and we're in St. Louis. And Matt uh, lets us know that Eric Harlan's in town. Do you, do you know Eric Harlan? Mm-hmm. He's like he's a really, really good, really good drummer. He's probably like my favorite drummer. Um, he plays with, like, Kurt Rosewinkle and, like, all, like, all, okay. like, the, everybody. He plays with everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, uh, he was in town and he was, like, staying in this hotel. And Matt, who was actually pretty tight with Eric because of uh, just of random things mm-hmm. throughout, throughout their lives. But, uh, he was like, yeah, do you guys, like, want to meet him? We're, we can go kick it in the hotel. And it was, like, at the top of this really, it was, like, the really big, tall hotel in downtown St. Louis yeah. and we got to go and then like you had to you had to like it was like invite only or something like you couldn't just like go up mm-hmm. there was like a doorman at the elevator <laughs> and stuff and we get there and we walk up and he's like oh we've been waiting for you That's and we're just like what <laughs> and then we get up there and Eric's there and he was just he was the coolest dude very like grounded you that's know? awesome but there was hookers, piles of cocaine. <laughs> no, there was nothing like that. <laughs> it was like really expensive beers that weren't necessarily really great. <laughs> and like, I think that's how that works. Yeah, but it was fun. So we got to kick it with like one of my drum heroes. That's really cool. That was really that was really fun. What's that? I mean, there are a lot of I've had a lot of really great experiences on tour. Not really many bad ones. That's good. Like, the entire California tour was super, super fun. Mm-hmm. You guys had that one, that one show, was it in Austin, where you guys, like, asked for, like, an after-hours, like, lounge or something? Yeah, that one was really cool. Uh, it was with Matt and Mike, and it was, I think it was our first or second time playing in Austin. Mm-hmm. And we played the show, and the show went really well, and then we heard about this, like, late-night, kind of, like, underground... Uh, jazz concert that was going until like three and they were they were uh they were like drinks and like it was just a hang it was in this kind of like this warehouse space and we got there and it was like a twenty dollar cover or something but it was all you could drink yeah which was cool um and then they ended up playing and then everyone was still hanging so they had asked us if we wanted to play a set and they'd like reimburse us for like our our cover charge which was nice yeah that's really uh, cool and so, yeah, so we played, and then it was just a big fat hang until, like, I think we ended up getting to bed at, like, 5 in the morning. Nice. That's awesome. Which isn't, like, terribly late, I guess. No, no <laughs> that's not bad at all. Yeah. That's, that's like, like, yeah. That's awesome, though. That's really, really cool. Yeah, but that one was really fun. Yeah. It was a cool night. And then I think, yeah, and the next night, or the next morning, we had to drive back, uh-huh. and then I had, like, three, that was at Octopia. Octopia was the next night. So we did that thing in Austin, then we came, and then, like, Mike and I had three back-to-back shows at Utopia. <laughs> they pretty much, like, just drove in. Mike, no, we drove in, Mike and Matt went to their gigs, and Hill picked me up from, like, South Dallas, and then 
then when they Mike came in like straight from his gig and then <laughs> had the three back to back shows. Yeah. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. So you so you so you play the, the main trio in Denton is you, Mike Lazecki, and Matt Young. Yeah, yeah and Connor Kent. Uh, Connor Kent plays yeah. with he plays with us pretty frequently as well. Okay, cool. Um, um, so Matt Young, Connor Kent play drums, Mike Zecchi mm-hmm. plays bass, Mike Zecchi plays in like a thousand things, right? Yeah, like a thousand things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Michael Zecchi also has a problem with Jackson. I, I knew that was going to come up. <laughs> Is it, no, no, no. <laughs> At or least not, I think, like, he, uh, somebody put a hit out on me, and, like, Mike is on top of playing in, like, 30 bands, and he's also, like, a secret hitman. Because, okay, so here's the story, and, like, I'll probably edit this out because yeah. I don't want to seem like I'm talking shit behind someone's <laughs> back. I've met Mike, like, maybe three times, like, and we're not, like, friends or anything, but, like, it's just, like, he's a super nice dude. Yeah, he's a super friendly guy. Yeah, uh, so what happened was, is I was walking out of, I think it was Pascal or something one night, he wasn't playing, it was just, like, a normal night work, yeah. uh, not a Sunday, and, uh, I was just walking on the square, and I walked, I had the right away. I had the light, uh, the walk light, and I turn, and there's this car, like, coming straight at me, and I'm with my girlfriend, and I'm like, oh my god, this person about to hit me, so I push my girlfriend, like, to get her out of the way, so I'm like, okay, well, I'll, like, we'll see how this goes. So I push, and then the car, like, stops, like, maybe a foot away from me, and I look, and it's Mike. And I was like, oh my god, I know this guy, and I see him play all the time. And yeah, I, I, I don't think we had met yet, but it was, like, at that point where I was like, oh my god, he plays in a ton of bands. This is so funny. And then I just kind of look at it, and he just looks like, oh my god, I just almost hit these people. And then I just kind of walked off, and I'm like... Oh, that's funny. <laughs> that happened. Jesus. It has happened three more times. Were bikes almost hit you? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> so that time, and then another time I was on the square and like, it, basically something just like that happened and I was like with my dad and with my girlfriend again and my dad didn't think anything of it and I looked at my girlfriend and I go, have you guys ever talked about this? No. Oh, you have to. <laughs> this, you have to. I don't want him to feel bad or anything. Well, he should feel bad about no, it. Almost, he bad about almost trying to kill you. But then the other two times, uh, I wasn't like a pedestrian. I was in my car. One time I was just driving and this car was like coming and like it like started to like come over into oncoming traffic. I was like, oh my God. And that oncoming traffic was me. And I was like, and then they got, they kind of like swerved back over. And it was and Mike. It was Mike. <laughs> And I forgot what the fourth time was, but it was also... just, like, text him while he's driving or something. It has to be something like that. It's just, like, man, I think he wants to kill me. That's really funny. And he's a super nice guy. Like, I'm not trying to talk shit about anyone. It's just one of the, like, the coincidence. Like, I'm just, I'm concerned about his You should, like, write, like, a blog post using... Mike Luzecki has personally tried to kill me. Yeah. Like, a missed connection. That will actually be the fake title. Yeah, that'll be it. That'll probably be the title of this. Mike almost killed me. <laughs> the Horace Bray interview. Yeah. Michael Zeki tried to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, that, I haven't really talked about any no, of that. No, I definitely had my friends. a lot of experiences where it's like, we'll like start to run out of gas and Michael just want to push it as far as he <laughs> wants to go <laughs> onto her and it'll be like the lights on. But <laughs> dude, I don't know. It's, I've had a hilarious relationship with Mike. Yeah. I've known him. I, I started playing with him like 
pretty early on, like my sophomore year. Yeah, you told me the other night that you guys used to live together like five years ago, and that's like yeah, in like 2012 we lived together. It's like all the songs like really fleshed out, like to like, this you two together, like when you guys lived together. Yeah, yeah, like like uh, most of the songs for the first record were were written in that house. That's really cool. And during that time period, that's really so, cool. Speaking of all uh, these people, uh, Matt and Mike. And Colin, we didn't talk about Colin too much, but you yeah. have an album that yeah. just came out in 2016. When did that come? Like what? June 15th. Yeah, so it's been coming less than up a on year. a year. Yeah, but um, called Dream State. I yeah, guess if you want to talk about that a little bit, that's a yeah. That was a. It was like a project. I I finished school and I wanted to like pick something to work on because I'd seen. I was basically afraid of becoming stagnant, and there were, there were a couple things I wanted to do. I wanted to, I've always like wanted to move to New York, and then I always wanted to record an album. And I was like, well, one of those things is going to be a lot easier to do first, yeah. Then like, because like recording an album in New York, everything's more expensive, and yeah, so like that. And I was fortunate enough to like, I was I, I just come out of a relationship where I was living with my girlfriend at the time, yeah. So I was able to save a bunch of money. And then that ended, and then I was like, okay, well, I'm either going to move with the money I saved up or I'm going to record a record. And then, yeah, I started planning that out, and then we started recording it in fall of 2015, or like late summer. And then we finished all the tracking by December, and then I think uh, in like February or March we got physical copies Awesome. And then record came out on June fifteenth. Yeah, I mean it, it's an amazing record, and Thank you. no problem. Um, what personally, because I'm not a jazz person, I don't play any. Like I'm not nearly talented enough to play like any jazz or anything like that, and know very little about theory. But as somebody who's kind of like a newcomer to jazz and who will like go to these shows, there's yeah. tons. There's like oh, probably a jazz show every night here and then, whether it's at. At UNT or at Greenhouse or Beard at Pascal, Beard and Mom. Yeah. it's everywhere. Yeah. So it's nice when, like, just so, like, oh, there's nothing to do. It's like, oh, let's just go here. Yeah. And, um, but, like, I think a lot of people, like me, kind of, like, put jazz in this box of, like, oh, it's something to go or just kind of relax. Not really, you know, uh, you know, you don't go to a rock show to relax. You kind of go to, like, dance yeah. and it's loud. But look, that's what I really like about your music, um, well, and this record specifically is it's like you know it has that those elements of like oh like this song like typhoid mary is super it's like relaxing like yeah. i think it's really you know it's somber and it fits that kind of like last classical idea of jazz but then there's songs that are like super dancey and mm-hmm. like um mine is a bit of love yeah, yeah that, that's the dance that's jam. the one yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one, especially like the other night when you played at uh greenhouse like that was people were dancing ever been that was yeah. like that was real fun. People yeah. were actually dancing, and it was just like, this is really cool. This is like that whole like kind of feeling you get, like, oh, man, this let's just go out and dance. This is what I would want to listen to, you I know? Think, I think the best thing about the dancing is that, like, it's not like you're, like, you, you're playing, like, in odd meters. You you were, like, soloing at one point. You were in the middle of a solo, and you're like, this is the right time to dance. And I'm like, sure. Why not? Why don't you dance while he's, play, while he's, while he's playing a solo? Like, this is totally makes sense. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know why that... <laughs> like, why... I don't know, jazz, like, the, the whole thing with, like, jazz and how it's relating to, like, modern music has changed so much, and, I don't know, I've, I've like, I've really come to value, like, having all the melodies be singable and all the, like, yeah. the rhythms be danceable, even when they're weird, because yeah. you can still, 
I mean, you can make you can be playing in four and have it not be dancey. Yeah, yeah. Like, and then you can be playing in seven. Like, there's a there's this artist named Mind Design, and like the he there's this groove, and it's like in nine where it's it's like one two three four that's awesome, and it's super groovy yeah. to the point where like I like, I knew something was weird, but it was so groovy like it wouldn't even let me. It wouldn't let my mind go into that like analytical yeah. phase, and then after I'm like, okay, what what was going on with that? I was like, was it an eleven <laughs> or nine or something? Yeah, it was really it was really cool. No, I think I think it's great that they all start dancing like during those crazy sections. To me, it's just like 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 this is cool. You choose to dance at this moment. This is really really interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like it's your music especially has always been one. There's always been music that's very like like Jackson said, dancey, and it's always been more like. You can really get into it really, really easily, and then you have those soft sections. Yeah, and like, gets really loud. yeah well, like what was the, the the last song you guys uh, played? It's one of the red newer flag. ones. Yeah, yeah, and you and you have that you have that straight up like breakdown that dun, 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 dun. I'm like, oh, yeah. oh my god, it gets, it gets yeah, that's like as heavy as it could go. <laughs> it's so heavy though. It's it's like it's like really heavy, like. You say it's so heavy, but it's as heavy as it go. But it's like actually like super fucking heavy. Like everybody in, in greenhouse was like headbanging or dancing or yeah. just like wooing. Well, I think like <laughs> there especially was a mosh pit in the bathroom. That was like the heaviest. I, that, that was like my favorite time I've ever played that song. And mm-hmm. I think it was really cool because you know I think I I got a feeling especially like halfway through the second set where I think everyone kind of remembered like okay this is like. It's gonna be like the last time we do this for a while. So yeah. I think it was a lot easier for everyone to kind of let go. And then in combination with like the vibe of just the audience, which was awesome. Like everyone was because the, the, they did last call, and instead of everyone leaving, everyone just circled around the band, which yeah. is awesome. And yeah. I think without those things, it, I don't, it probably wouldn't have ended up the way it did. But it was a really special moment. Yeah. It was a it was a really crazy night, and you guys you guys were like going crazy up there. It was clear you guys were having so much fun. So, yeah, this is this is this is it. This is awesome. This is, this is incredible. Um, but you guys, when you recorded this uh, the album Dream State, you did some pretty cool stuff. Like you recorded like like a half orchestra thing, right? Yeah, there were like twenty seven string parts on a couple of the tunes. Yeah, on Dirt for Mary Mallon, which is the the song for Typhoid Mary, and then. Uh, Semantic Satiation, which is the last song on the album. And you did like, didn't you like, you said you like recorded it, you recorded like half, like an orchestra and then like doubled it or something yeah, like that? Yeah, we, we started, I think it was with uh, nine people, I think it was four, no, I don't remember, I don't remember how many of each instrument there was, but there were, there were a couple, I think there were two cellos, two, no, three cellos, two violas, and four, wait, and four violins. I think that was it. And we were, we layered them three times. And Drew Zerumba did the arrangement. That's awesome. That. Well, I mean, I guess we worked together. Like we uh, we had a couple times where we got together and I'd like sing these parts. I'm like, I want to do this thing, but I was really afraid of arranging for strings. I'm so really afraid <laughs> of arranging for strings because it's like there's so much that you will only learn from like fucking up. That kind of stuff, and I didn't want that to be my learning experience. Yeah, because it's like you can it can work on the computer and on the program will say yeah everything's in the right range, but then you realize that like the violin only hits that note when it's like really loud or something. Right. 
Um, or like every time they, or like if they play that low, it doesn't speak and come over like the cellos and the violas and stuff. Right. So that was really fun. And then we did like some vocal overdubs and some post-production stuff. Mm. Uh, we tried to make it, we tried to make it really subtle. Just like it'd be like, just, I don't know. I think there were like a couple big crashes in the, in the ambient things where we'd like throw on like a little bit of modulated reverb. Or have some jangles with delay on them. Nice. And, like, have them panning around. Where did you record that? Uh, in Corinth at, like, a home studio. Awesome. Uh, it's actually where Connor lives. That's, like, the most oh, exciting yeah. stuff. Jake Greenberg, if you know him, he's a bass player. I do not, but... That's cool. He's cool. He's been... Yeah, he recorded my album. He's recording the Sky Window album. Nice. Which is, like, almost done. I think it's gonna be... I think it's gonna be done... <laughs> And you're going to be on that, right? Yeah, I'm on it. It just sucks because I'm moving. You guys, you guys Sky Window had an album release like last August, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys released a single. Dude, yeah. And that was like, we shouldn't even release a single because it wasn't even done. That's crazy. Like, that's like, that wasn't like the finished product by any means, <laughs> even for that one song. It's a, uh, yeah. You know, sometimes, Sometimes, like, things take longer than yeah. you'd expect, and... It's better that and get, like, an amazing thing than, like, rush it. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I I saw Facebook in January. Facebook was, like, it had a post where I was just, like, so happy to be finally tracking the guitar parts. <laughs> and I was, like, I was done tracking them, like, last January. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been a while. <laughs> but dude, it's, it's sounding, it's, it's, it's insane. It's, I've never, I never, I was, I was over there last night with Jordan and we have, I think six of the songs like bounce, like ready to be sent off to get mastered. Nice. And then like, I think three more are just like, right now we're just trying to get a clean bounce because there's so much stuff yeah. that it's really hard to get through the entire bounce without there being some kind of digital fragment where, yeah. like, for a second. Um, so it's just a bunch of, like, restarting the computer, clearing all the RAM, and just, like, praying to God that nothing gets messed up on, like, that last... Are you working like, in, like, Pro Tools? A logic. Does, I don't know. Like, okay, so on Pro Tools, when I bounce, at least the edition I have, it bounces in real time. So, like... Oh, yeah. if you have a 13-minute song, you have to sit there. Yeah, same. Them. And we're just crossing our fingers the whole time. And then we get to, like, the last chorus so where, like, the drums get really heavy. And then just there's, like, a couple more plugins that get turned on. And that's just too much. That's oh, exactly God. when that happens. Yeah. Bouncing, it's like, oh, you get through seven minutes. And you're like, ah, oh, man, this is great. And you just start getting yeah. on your phone, scrolling through stuff. And then you just hear, like, a little pop. And you're like, ugh. Because that, that and you have to restart. Into, yeah, yeah. It's a nightmare. Uh, the new Pro Tools actually like they have like one that doesn't bounce in real time. Like it, like I think it's automatic. But I guess you still have to go back and listen to it. But I don't know that that whole bouncing in real time. And I know yeah. we're alienating everyone who listens to this. But <laughs> <laughs> well, do but the people that know will sympathize because it's like it's a nightmare. Yeah. It's, especially because that's like that's basically. The, the ending part, like, where yeah. you're done, other than, like, approving your the masters yeah. and everything. Like I guess that, for the listeners, it's like, we're talking about the process of, like, you have all the little bits and pieces in, in the big file, and then you're bouncing it down, so then it's in, in the MP3, like, you would have on, an, on in, in, like, iTunes or something. Yeah, like, compressing it. Yeah. Just and, this tiny file. Yeah. And it's, it, it always gets fucked up. And it, yeah, as I said, it was, like, 
the it's the last thing you do other than sending off, which it, that takes nothing, and all you have to do with mastering, unless you're mastering it yourself, which almost no one does. Yeah. Um, is just approve a master, but balancing is like the final thing. It's like I'm done, other than approving, and like it's always like the most tedious thing, and you're always just super like worried about it. Yeah. What a terrible thing to talk about. Recording just stresses me out, generally. So, <laughs> yeah. Just, like, the very, very anxious process for me the whole time I'm recording. I just, like, I, I get super on edge. And luckily, like, when we recorded our EP, I was, like, I was pretty relaxed. But the last time I recorded, before that, I was just, like, I was, like, snapping at people. And I was just, like, Ugh. Oh, yeah, dude. It's, like, well, because it's so, I think it's especially... It makes people especially on edge because you, it's not like you're losing yourself in the moment of like a in-person performance or something. It's like, it's really easy to fall into the rut of being super self-centered in the mm-hmm. way that you're viewing what you're playing. Yeah. Which automatically like taints everything. Yeah. <laughs> and makes it like, that's just, that's just that much less mental RAM that you have available to dedicating, yeah. to putting yourself in the music instead of making the music about yourself. Yeah. Well, it's like, and it's like, your performance is like seriously like in a microscope now. Like everybody's oh, yeah. staring at it, and it's like yeah. like it doesn't matter what what you're playing, but like like if you're playing drums, bass, guitar, singing, anything, everybody's just staring at you. Like, okay, finish. We have to do yeah. the next part now. Yeah. It's like, okay, give me give me a second. Yeah, <laughs> like, combination <laughs> being on a timeline and then being able to like actually hear the self doubt in how yeah. you're playing a line. Yeah. Oh, it stresses yeah. me out. <laughs> yeah. It's also a really healthy process to go through. It is. Yeah. It definitely, it's like the weed out of like, it'll take out like the people who aren't, you know, cut out for this and, you know. Yeah. I, we're a loud rock band, so like, I'm not the best guitar player, but there's a reason we call ourselves garage rock because, you know, like we mess up. That's kind of, you know, it's kind of the characteristic of the genre, but like, yeah. whenever we're recording, that doesn't fly. You gotta, you gotta. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those grimy guitar parts are hard to play too. Yeah, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm just not that great. But um, <laughs> it was uh, just, it's like you know when we're playing loud, he's he's hitting these crashes like Dave Grohl, and then we have a bassist who has like a big muff pedal on, and then like oh I messed up, but like I'm behind all this, and it's <clears> like we just kind of look at each other and smile like yeah we messed up. But well, like, I mean also like I think. Like, it's really important to ask yourself, like, is perfection the goal with this, yeah, or is it documenting right. the feeling of what we normally do? Yeah. You're yeah. having it be, like, a snapshot of how you guys are approaching the thing in that point in time. That's true. I'm yeah. going to keep that in mind when we go in the studio in a month. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. I'm going to write that on, like, my wall in the studio. <laughs> yeah. Horror spray. <laughs> It's like, dude, there are plenty of times when people like mess up in their recordings. Yeah, and those and those are absolutely wonderful sometimes. But also at the same time, like, whenever I'm listening to recordings and like it's clear that, that nobody's like they're not playing to a click or like or maybe they are playing to a click but they just aren't paying attention to it or like the the mess ups are just too obvious. Like that's when I yeah. can I, I can you definitely get a little too judgy about stuff like that. It's... And then I'm and then I know that if I created that product, I'd be like. What did I do? What have I what have I done here? It's so frustrating when you hear like people talk about like, oh man, messing up, that's kinda part of the music. Because it's just like, okay, when we're talking about messing up, we're talking about like, oh, you had like a little finger slide or a scratch, like that that that's what exactly. they're talking about. But they're not talking about actually messing up. Like yeah. that like if that was the case, like, if, like, if okay. you didn't go to the bridge. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> that's that's I mean, there's a line. Yeah, <laughs> it's this whole because you hear about it and you're like, man, this was wrong with music today. It's just also like, 
but you gotta know how to play your instrument. And yeah. Like, it's, it's still super stressful. I mean, it's all about finding that balance. Like, you gotta, yeah. like, let yourself care about it a lot. Yeah. And, like, let it, you have to be able to, like, not, let yourself not give a fuck and, like, let it go. Yeah, that's true. When um, you need to. I, this is, like, a personal question that I want to know. Yeah. Do you have, not personal as in, like, oh, personally. <laughs> I just, that was a horrible way to phrase this. Do you have any, uh, what are your non-jazz influences? Non-jazz, too, most of them. <laughs> uh, like, I really love, I've been rocking this album by, the new album by Landlady. Which, dude, you know about Wayne Lady? <laughs> dude, oh my god, they're so good. It's a, it's a funny story because, like, one of the first bands I got into when I got into college was this band called Father Figures, which is kind of like yes. a noise. You know about Father yes. Figures? Yes. All right, so it's a saxophone player, Adam Schatz, uh-huh. for Father Figures, has gone on. Father Figures isn't as super active anymore, no. but they yeah. all met at NYU, uh-huh. and then they did that thing. It's like this crazy, noisy, really post production y trippy noise thing Mm. and he went on to like start this thing called the winter jazz fest in new york city nyc winter jazz Mm -hmm. fest it happens every january and that's been going on for the last couple years and it's awesome um and then he started this band and he went from playing saxophone to playing you know now he sings wow i think he plays keys i'm not i'm not exactly sure Mm. but uh it's a band called landlady and it's dude it's so good it's so good I've been listening to that a lot. And then I also like really like like Animals as Leaders and Sean. Yeah. And <laughs> and like uh Keep it in your pants, hey. Yeah. But like I listen to a lot of like uh like Eastern European minimalist music. <laughs> like uh like like who uh like Ligeti or Ligeti and uh Arvo Part are prepared. I don't know how to say any of their names. Yeah. But and then I still like listening to Bach, and I like it, it. Really depends on the day. Like most of the stuff I listen to, especially nowadays, isn't jazz. Yeah. Like, like Kneebody came out with a new record, and that's like the closest thing to jazz that I've been listening to recently. Yeah, I, and that's I, like not very close to jazz. No, but I, I, I I've been listening to that one too, and it's like that was a that was something I was listening to on our drive. We, we played in Louisiana this weekend. That was one of my oh yeah. man. It's so good. Like, but if someone comes out with a straight ahead album, like, dude, I, I don't have any fucking reason that you ever want to listen to that. Like, that sounds, I don't know, maybe that sounds bad, but it's like, I don't know. Like, if I'm going to listen to jazz, it's like, I'm going to listen to, like, Soul Station by, like, you know, Hank Mobley or something like, I'm going to listen to Art Blakey or yeah. something like that. Like, it just doesn't feel as relevant for me anymore. But I do definitely recognize that it's had a huge role in how I've developed so far. And, I don't know. It's weird. But yeah, I'm not really listening to much jazz nowadays. <laughs> what you just described is kind of like how I feel about the Beatles. Like, people are like, yeah, you must love the Beatles. I'm like, I think they did a good thing for us. But like, yeah. you know, it, can you at least appreciate that Should they're overrated? Yeah. I mean, dude, I mean, have you ever tried to start a song with the chorus? No, it's but true. I'm actually it's trying hard. to do that right now. It's yeah. super hard. Yeah. That's true. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's... It's one of those things where I like obviously you like what you like and you can you can yeah. you, know, you can you can appreciate what you know X band has done for you or done for music in the long run, but if you don't like it, you don't like it. Yeah, I mean so you need to be able to know what it means and like be able to appreciate it. Yeah. But it's like you don't have to like use it as your food that you're growing with. Yeah. Yeah. Does it ever does it ever like like do you consider yourself a jazz musician? Dude, I don't know. I used to 
I don't think so anymore. I mean, like, I play, I like playing jazz, but it's like, I don't know, it feels, it feels weird to, like, call myself a jazz musician now, because I'm really not, like, I'm really not spending that much time, like, like, I would play a Pascal. Yeah. But, it's like, whenever I'm doing that, I'm not thinking about, like, playing within a style, necessarily. It's more about, like, how the human interaction is developing in a musical way. Yeah. So you don't go into a song thinking like, "Oh, I'm gonna write a jazz song." You just write. No, and I wouldn't even necessarily. I'd say, I I heard Ben Wendell use a really cool term, like in describing me body. He says Mm -hmm. it's not jazz, but it's jazz adjacent. Oh, that's nice. And that's that's. I'm like, I was like, okay, yeah, that's that's how I feel about my music. Where it's definitely it wouldn't exist if jazz didn't exist. Yeah. At least not in the same way. Yeah. I but mean, yeah, it's not jazz. You're, it's you're, not trying to be jazz. Your music is it, it has a, has a lot of things reminiscent to math rock. Yeah, that's that crept in in a weird way. I never that that was like one of the last styles I expected to like. If you would have asked me five years ago what my music would like, have similarities with, yeah. like, math rock would never have been one of them. <laughs> but it's probably just from like having like just being at Jordan Gaines' house and having yeah. like a five hour long Skywinder rehearsal where four of those hours is just us looping like the most fucked up rhythmic thing <laughs> that like create, like you go through the whole process of self doubt and then acceptance and then like. You're back yes. to self-doubt. Yeah. <laughs> well, then, I mean, then I bet also listening to, like, Chon and Animals, as you said, but those, yeah. those two bands are pretty big yeah. in that, they're pretty big in that respect. Uh, yeah, dude. So that makes sense, I think. But it, it is it is interesting to me that, especially more recently, like, a lot of jazz elements and math rock elements seem to be, like, blending, which I think is really cool. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely dig it. It's, it's not something that I would really expect out of math rock, because... It's for so long, and it still is, but a lot of people associate math rock with, like, lots of overdoing tapping and stuff like that, and, yeah. and not so much focused on, you know, very... I mean, if you listen to Chandler, there's so many major seven chords and stuff, and it's like, there's a lot of stuff that, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's I think it's very much their meeting in the middle. Yeah. Uh, Chandler loves their major Because you can think of, like, yeah, like, Meshuggah is still, like, would you call that math? Yeah. Oh, Totally. Like, I, uh, I would put Meshuggah in like a prog metal thing. Yeah, I was going to say prog metal. Yeah, which also is Animals, but Animals also has that math, like, feels very, like, a lot of their riffs just feel mathy. I feel like the main reasons I put them in prog metal is just because of the two eight-string guitars, and yeah. then Matt Gartska really just tears it on drums to make it feel, like, super metal, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so. I think the burning question here is, what's your favorite tempo? Ozzy, well, UNT is just instilled <laughs> 120. In 4-4-120. I'm sticking with that. Yeah, dude, that's just, it's everywhere. Like, I've been trying to break out of that rut. I don't know. <laughs> dude, that just, like, it makes me think about... It's just, it's so relative. Because it's like, what is a tempo? It's right. like, what is a pulse? It's just like, whatever people are choosing to vibrate at at that moment or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Because it's like, for so long, metronomes didn't even exist, and music existed way before metronome, or like, the second. Yeah. So, you (laughs) have uh, an Instagram presence, uh, quite a big one. Yeah. What's that like? It's it's the weirdest fucking thing. It's like, I have so many mixed feelings about it. (laughs) Almost 20,000 followers. 
Yeah. Did you have that pulled up? I have it on my phone. Yeah, I'm at 19.5. That's (laughs) incredible. Like, what is that like? Or how did that start? And like, I I guess you said you have, you know, mixed I mean, it started around the time, like, I, like, in 2015, like, I got out of a relationship in the fall. I was about to start doing it on the record. About to, I was planning the release of the record. And Instagram struck me as a really efficient way to reach a lot of people. Because with Instagram, at least back then, I don't think it's as true now, but in like 2015 with Instagram, if you posted something, it went to every single person that follows you. It went to every single person. With Facebook, you only get 7 to 10% at best without paid promotion. Yeah. Um, 7 to 10%. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, yeah. My goal is like, I want to try to get like 5,000 followers. So I, I just, I started like talking to people who were doing it. I remember I was talking to Alison Pontier mm-hmm. about it. She was like, yeah, like, you know, you're recording it at night and you're, it's like super focused on the guitar and it's like the lighting's not good. So you don't look good. The guitar doesn't look good. You're not even showing your face in the recordings. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, well, and she basically told me that if you want it to be more approachable and relatable and for people to connect with it, like show your face, record it in front of a window at a good time of day, post it at a good time of day. And then... So you kind of have to work it like it's a game because like you have to understand how the algorithms yeah. work. And then I started doing that and then, I don't know, people just started to follow it. And then really in the last year, it started blowing up. It's yeah, really it weird. It's, it, was, it was with that, well, right before the album came yeah, out, that three, four, five video exactly. came out. That was it. And that was where it like, that was the one where it like, it got... I posted it in the afternoon, and then it was like any other video. I'm like, yeah, here's this thing. And then I went out to like a bar or something that night, and it was still like, it did normal amount of like, yeah, people saw it, and it's like, yeah, good job, that's so cool. <laughs> and, and then I was about to go to bed at three in the morning, and one of my guitar students was like, dude, like, you're at like 10,000 views. Mm-hmm. I was just like, whoa, that's a trip. <laughs> and then it just didn't stop, and it got up to like 70,000. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, a thousand likes or something. The Facebook video has so many views. Yeah. It's insane. And then that was like, that was the one that like everybody, like I, I walked into, I work at Guitar Center. I teach lessons over there and I walked into work and like, I heard like customers talking about three, four, five. And I was like, what? Yeah. It was weird. Like, <laughs> like when I was in California like, this last time for Nam, like that's what yeah. people come to like three, four, five. And I'm just like, oh, this is fucking Weird. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, and that's super weird. That's so. Is it, so does it ever get like? Does it ever get stressful having a lot of followers? Yeah, it, it, because it's like you really have a a level to like. You have to like. I don't know. There's a there's an expectation. Yeah. Of quality, so it's like I can't just like post anything because now it's each video will take a couple hours to like really like mm-hmm. sit down and plan it out. I mean, sometimes it'll just come yeah. out. Like yeah. the last one I did, I was just like, there's this melody I need to, I need to play. Mm-hmm. And then I played it. I'm like, Hey, that's about a minute. And then it worked out. But yeah. a lot of them, like I'll, I'll have to like plan out and like arc it and treat it like it's a one minute long composition. Yeah. It's yeah. really cool though, because like, it, it's not like you're some like YouTube celebrity where it's like, okay, I have to release this every, you know, I have to release it at least every three week. times a week. Yeah. It's like, well, I mean, I generally try to release it three times a week, but I, it, are, but, I don't get the feeling, and I maybe I don't have about the this. pressure. Yeah, to. there's no pressure. Like, it, yeah. that's the beauty of like, yeah, I, I, 
think what I'm getting from this is like, you know, you went from this like, oh, I, I have this goal and I want to do it. And then it was, it kind of became pretty yeah. aware soon that I was like, oh, I have to do all this. Like it has to be, it is a game and it's kind of, you know, like there's an equation to this and, but you're still able to have fun with it even though there is yeah. all that because there is no pressure. You're still doing it because you want to share like your music or what you're doing. Yeah. So yeah, and I, I every time every time I get a notification that you're live, I'm always like, "This is gonna be fun," because yeah, when, when you go it's live, it's fun. usually like usually like someone will say like, "Ooh, play this." I'm like, "Oh, play some John Mayer." <laughs> every time, every <laughs> single time. There's there's that, and then people will just like tr- I've seen people like troll. I don't know if they know if they know you like personally. Some people, but I've seen somebody just like troll your live feed, and I'm like. Dude, what one dude was trolling. I, I actually had to like block somebody. Really? This last time because he was just like, he was just being real crass. Like, like the kind of things people would say if they were trying to like just say super sexual things to troll I someone think, in a yeah. live stream. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's what doing, Mayor. I have a friend who goes to uh, Berkeley and I think he's doing vocal performance. But uh, whenever I was talking to him, he. Uh, he auditioned with guitar and vocals and he was like whenever they were sitting like waiting uh, to get called in to do their audition he said everyone was just playing John Mayer it's like everyone's playing that like neon part and it's just like he, he was just kind of looking around like guys that's a hard one right yeah that, that, that but like it was just like he was just sitting there frustrated he's like come on guys we're better than this like we all know how to play our instruments just because he went here to berkeley doesn't mean we need to like play that and then there's like a little like corner of people playing dream theater yes (laughs) that's the corner (laughs) that's great that's excellent yeah do you have anything oh i mean no i just the 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 instagram stuff is just it's just so weird i mean like we i i have like I think 400 followers on on one of the band Instagram pages that I run, and I'm like, huh, yeah, that's annoying. There are so many people, but I. But it's I, cool how it connects people, though. Yeah, it's, it's like I've like I've done, but the thing that it's really opened up is just like it's a lot easier to like meet the people. Yeah. That. I want to meet. That's true. Because sometimes, like, they already know about what I'm doing, which yeah. immediately, like, breaks the ice, which is yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, and then, like, I get to teach a lot of Skype lessons now. Like, people, I think, like, the farthest away someone's hit me up is, like, Dubai. Whoa. I've taught, like, a couple people in London, and that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the human connection thing with it is the part I appreciate the most with it. I think it's easy for people to get super superficial with it. Yes. So did you, so you went to NAM? Yeah. How was that? It was cool. Nam seems crazy. Nam is the craziest thing. Yeah, I, I, I watched a couple of videos of you playing there. Exactly. There's like seven to ten thousand people. There's so yeah. many people there. Like over two thousand vendors. Yeah, and I watched like I watched a couple of videos of you playing there, and then I was I, I like, <laughs> I uh, I follow Pliny on, on yeah. social media, and uh, and he was like, he was like posting videos all around. I'm like. I think I see Horace in one of these videos. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. That's crazy. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I didn't get to meet him. He, yeah. When he, he's, he's so young. I think he's younger than you. Yeah. Aren't you younger than me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I know. 25. How yeah. old are you? How the cat. old is the cat? <laughs> yeah, I think Pliny's like 21 or 22. He's, he's, 20, he's 24. He's my age. Oh, he's 24? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, he's 24. Um, but he's ridiculous. He's absolutely yeah. crazy. And he was like... Because he, him and Intervals had their performance, and I watched that, and then, like, he was walking around just, like, posting stuff on Instagram story, I'm like, 
hi, there's Mark Terry. There's yeah. Horace. There's like, I was like, dude, in the world. Yvette Young yeah. showed up to fucking Pascal like what? a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I was, <laughs> yeah, they were in town for their thing with like Jason Richardson and, uh, oh, and, uh, oh, yeah. And in walks Nathan Gass. And then like there's this girl with a septum piercing and she's like, I'm like, man, she looks really familiar. And like immediately I'm just like, I fucked something up. <laughs> it was like after like our first or second song, and I'm just like, man, she really looks like I'm like, oh shit. Like, God damn it, this this can't be happening. And then I I was like, I got super nervous. <laughs> and then I ended up texting Nathan, I'm like, is that is that a vet? And then uh he's like, Oh yeah. And we actually didn't get to meet that night. She had the um, she had the first driving shift in the morning. Yeah. They were leaving at like five, so yeah. But then we ended up talking, and now now we, like, we talk every once in a while. I know that they're doing the tour. So, where can uh, people find you? You have Dream State. You're moving to New York. I don't know if you already have people you're playing with there or plans, but... I, I'm trying to go... I'm purposely trying to go up there with no expectation, no plans. That's um nice. So far, there's been a couple things that have, like, come together, and, like, I have a couple shows. I think a couple people that are planning on, like, hit me up for lessons, but... I don't know. I'm just going up there, like, saved up, like, a couple months worth of living expenses just so I can focus yeah. on the music stuff. And basically, I have, like, three or four months. <laughs> and then I uh, have to have my shit together. Yeah. Which... Well, that's nice. That's perfect with moving. Yeah. Which I but, think I can do it. So people can find you on, you know... Yeah, you can find Facebook, me on Instagram. Facebook and Instagram. The album's out. It's the on out. iTunes, right? It's also on Yeah, YouTube. it's on all the normal... Yeah. It's like on, it's even on like title and stuff. Yeah, um, anything? Ugh. Well, uh, just so I can say that you've done it, will you just play chord on my guitar? <laughs> it's probably out of tune. Just anything. Wait. Let's see if I can remember. There we go. It's done. Yeah. I was going to ask you to do like three, four, five, but I was like, that's going to take too much time. <laughs> well, thanks for listening and Don't Feed the Artist. This has been Sex, Drugs, and Jazz with Horace Gray. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah.